So for those who don't know, Kobe's the excellent beat writer of the Orlando Magic from the Orlando Sentinel. Um, he's been on the ground there in Chicago all combine week. So I mean, really no better person, I think, to talk about the next couple of weeks that the Orlando Magic have facing them uh, with the number one pick here having won the lottery. So that's my opening preamble just to kind of uh, tee you up here, man, and just kind of Give us a, a rundown on, on how you see the landscape for the decision Orlando is going to be making here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, first off, uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate uh, you inviting me on. I think for the Magic, this is, you know, when you get a number one pick in any, you know, regardless of what you think of the draft, it can be a franchise-altering moment, right? And obviously with the Magic there, you know, you want to say the beginning stages of the rebuild that they started in March 2021, when they, you know, when they traded Nikola Vucevic, when they traded Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier, uh, you know, three core veterans that they've had on their roster for years. So for them, I think this is really a moment, you know, they have young talent on the team already, but to, you know, further bolster that and just put themselves in a position, the best position possible to make this rebuild successful, you know, to make this a rebuild, you know, they, it feels like they've been rebuilding for, you know, 10 years ever since Dwight Howard left. So, you know, put yourself in the position where you're no longer having to rebuild and you can become a, you know, a franchise with, you know, long-lasting, sustained success. And it starts, you know, with doing doing right by the pick and getting the pick right. And I think this week with the combine is a part of it. Uh, they also have two other, you know, second-round picks. So that's another big reason uh, for them to be extra tuned in. But, you know, this is a big week and, a, you know, it's going to be a big month for them. So for those who have been following along um, uh, in my book that I wrote that came out last May, Built to Lose, blah, 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 shameless plug, um, I talked a lot about the magic in that story because they, they tanked a year before Sam Hinkie's process started by um, trading Dwight Howard in that 14 deal, connected with Philly, connected with the Lakers, connected with the Nuggets and Andre Godala. Um, and, you know, they, they obviously got the number two pick in the 2013 draft um, that led them to Victor Oladipo when they were the worst team in the league, if memory serves correctly. Um, they should have in the lottery, you know, if the odds had broken one. The Magic have kind of had a checkered history in the lottery. They've won it four times, but they've also fallen a lot. Just, that's the nature of the game, I think, when you make repeated, repeated trips to the lottery. But – Part of including the magic in that story, the case study of Orlando, I think, was you know they had, they had a starting point of an all-star in Dwight Howard who, you know, made one of the proverbial trade requests and gets sent elsewhere to the big market. They get a lot of prospects back, um, and they start to rebuild this thing. And I think what a lot of people and I've talked to, to a lot of executives about it this week in Chicago, like. I think what Orlando's kind of been an example of in terms of all the different ways that a rebuild can go under, under Hennigan's regime. And then a little bit in, in, in the later years, there's just been a, a, a compilation of young guys who are largely long athletes with, with high ceilings. And there hasn't really been the guy yet. There hasn't been the Joel Embiid uh, for Orlando. There hasn't been the Jason Tatum for Boston. There hasn't been the Devin Booker for Phoenix. Um, I mean, Sacramento hasn't had that guy either, right? Which is what led them to making moves to go get them off bonus. So this is kind of, I think, the ultimate stakes here for Orlando being that, like, it's not just 
a big success that, that they got the number one pick and they're and they're going to be able to get uh, a franchise difference maker. They have to get a franchise difference maker here. This, this is kind of what can be the guiding light for, for a franchise that's been kind of a bit wayward in terms of getting out of the first round, I think, ever since 2011. Yeah, no, it's, it's been, you know, like I said, it's been a decade since they've had any – yeah, they haven't been on the first round of the playoffs in over a decade. So, you know, I mean, you're, what you're saying is right. Like, they've been able to find – Sorry about that. I think uh, halftime oh, just ended. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they've been able to find, you know, in all the drafts they've been. It's not like they haven't been able to find quality players. I mean, you just, you know, you said Victor Oladipo, you know, off the top. I mean, Victor Oladipo, Aaron Gordon. Um, I know they didn't draft this player, but he was young when they got him, you know, Vucevic. Um, you know, they've, they've found over the years and, you know, Mo Bamba's, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about him at some point. You know, they found players who can be quality players or, you know, can be good, you know, good NBA players, but at least none of them have been the guy, you know, in the way that we think of the guy on their team, you know. And th- that's what, you know, that's what you want to find when you're in the position to, you know, draft, you know, number one, you want to find the guy. You want to find the guy that's going to lift you out of whatever hole that the Magic have been in for the better part of a decade. Has it been all sad stories? No, they, they've made the playoffs twice, you know, in the past 10 years. Obviously, lost in the first round of both those times, but they haven't found a guy that's, uh, that you can say, we're attaching this franchise to your back, to your back. We'll do whatever we can to help you, but this is going to be on your back. Take us to the promised land, you know, as high as you can go. And they haven't had a guy like that since Dwight Howard. And, you know, he, obviously he left the Magic, you know, 10 years ago. So we got a lot of people in here live. Just want to uh, do a little uh, update for anyone who does want to give us a call. You know, we're more than happy to take your guys' questions and see what you have to say. This is a collaborative open space. But um, in the meantime, if no one does want to jump on here, um, I mean, Kobe, why, why not wait to talk about Obama, right? I think I was in the lottery <laughs> drawing room on Tuesday, and then I kind of scurried out and headed over to the big – you know, main stage, which honestly I'd never been to before. Um, last year at the combine, I got into town the day after the lottery. I remember, um, and going to the lottery is kind of like going to a music festival. It was crazy. Like there's <laughs> everyone's agent and their family, and, and and you have to have your credential and you get scanned at like 17 different layers of security. It was an impressive uh, setup, but you know, waiting through that crowd and 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 kind of being there after the confetti popped. You know, um, not actually, that was a, uh, a metaphor. Um, there was definitely a lot of people talking pretty quickly about how, this, like, either Jabari Smith, Paolo Banchero, Chet Holmgren, you know, Jabari and Chet, they probably make Mo Bamba more redundant than Paolo would, but in, the, in, in a sense that taking Paolo would probably align better with, again, this is all kind of in theory and, and it's the early talk around the league that combine, taking Paolo, it probably might be better to combine him with Wendell Carter and move Carter up to the five spot, being that they've also, when the Magic came to a contract agreement with Wendell Carter, they've already invested in his future. Mo Bamba was someone that played really well last year, definitely improved a lot. And people on the league took note of that, but he was someone that uh, rival execs were already kind of painting as a trade possibility before the February deadline. It didn't happen. They kind of told teams, you know, we like Mo, we're going to try to keep him. But 
also here, you know, things change. And part of building a team and making roster decisions is doing that on accelerated timelines that aren't linear. So, um, I mean, do you think it's fair to say that Mo Bamba's days are, are numbered in Orlando here? Or do you think there's still an opportunity for him to come back? Uh, yeah, from, from what I've, you know, conference I've had, I think there's, there is still a chance. Um, a lot. Let me not even say a lot. I think uh, I hate using numbers like this because someone's going to come back to me and be like, well, you said 85%. Okay, well, yeah. I don't know what 85% versus 90% versus 95%. There, I think there's a very um, – what they do in the draft will have a very, 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 very – I'm going to repeat very as many times as possible – um, big impact <laughs> on what happens with Mo. Um, you know, and I think you can kind of see, you know, and I think it's more so with Chet than I, I even from, you know, from what I'm gathering, even more so with Chet than even Jabari. Like, I think if yep. they did Jabari or Apollo, like, Ch- uh, that doesn't impact Mo's future too much um, or as much. But I think if they do go with Chet, I think that's the that's the guy who you're just looking like, all right, you get this, you know, this number one pick or, you know, number one pick, you pick this guy. That's kind of the guy you're going to, you know, used to take Mo's minutes and is Mo going to want to going to come back, you know, knowing that he's not going to have the same opportunity that he did. He's basically going to be replaced by Chet. I mean, probably not. And then also it comes to the, you have to factor in what's Mo's market going to be. Are the magic going to want to going to pay, you know, 10, 11, 12, $13 million for essentially will be probably what a backup, a backup big when you already have, you know, money committed to Wendell, you have the number one pick committed to, you know, Chet and this in theory, and then you you know you still have John you know even though his guaranteed money is going to be the same, you still have Jonathan Isaac on you know sixteen million to guarantee for the 2022-2023 season, and obviously that dwindles from season to season. But you know you're starting to allocate a lot of resources to your front court, um, which is fine, but I don't think that's what they're going for. I think they're trying to you know they're trying to find guys who are going to be in this rebuild for a while. And if they go with Chet. You know, it's not the end of Mobamba, but Mobamba's days in Orlando. But I think it's a pretty clear sign that he would likely go somewhere else. With Paulo and Jabari, from what I'm getting, it, it could be a little bit more fluid because how the minutes can be distributed. You know, Mo could play with when we saw Mo can play with Wendell. He could play with Paulo or Jabari. Like it could be a more fluid situation. But that's the guy. If they go him, it's going to be a lot, um, a lot more difficult for Mo to return to Orlando. It's interesting that there are a lot of people on the league who think Orlando is going to take Jabari. I mean, I think Jabari is probably, and it's early. Like, that's the obvious caveat we got to make here. The lottery was a couple days ago. We still got six weeks here until the draft. And, I mean, when, like, like, I got, got word today of, from two people um, that the OKC apparently has a specific trade target to move up from 12. I'm like, I'm not necessarily buying that right now. You know what I mean? It's very early. Um, and I like to kind of keep track of the pieces of draft until kind of like as an experiment, like chronologically to kind of sift through the rumors and the smoke and the bullshit and see what's actually real. So I think it is important to at least kind of log things that you hear and, and see how the rumor progresses. But for, so for now, I mean, Jabari's definitely been the name that most consistently I've heard scouts and, and team people say is, you know, the closest thing to a consensus top prospect. So on Tuesday night when the lottery broke and it's Orlando, you know, I, I, th- I think mo- most people are talking about you know, Jabari going to Orlando. And then 
I still think there's a lot of people who think that's the case and that will be the case. And apologies for the, uh, the horns and whistles in the background, but Kobe's literally on the ground from the combine right now. So that it, it is, that is the ambiance that you guys get, uh, the exclusive inside access here. I'm please don't aggregate this. Um, so I was just surprised on Wednesday and Thursday in Chicago, how many people I saw over a couple meals, a couple drinks, just walking around the facilities. Um, that a lot of people are kind of curious about the chances of Orlando taking chat. And some people think they, I mean, a good, a healthy amount of people I talk to, um, do think that Orlando is going to take chat again, it's early. Um, but you know, the, the affinity for length, um, between John Hammond and Jeff Weltman at the top of that front office for all the history of the buck selections they've had from Giannis to Thon Maker to John Henson down the line. Um, obviously, they've taken Mo Bamba and Jonathan Isaac in Orlando, which has sparked the, the question that was already asked about Mo Bamba's longevity there. Um, and, and the relationship with Jalen Suggs, I, I wonder how real that is going to be a huge factor um, in, in making this decision, being that and him and Chet played for a couple of years together in that dynasty up in Minneapolis um, or Minnesota. And uh, they, they, they both went to Gonzaga. They're, they're purportedly very good friends. So um, I would have to think that they like Chet a lot. If, they, if, if there's a situation where they're, they are deciding between Jabari or Chet or between Chet and Paolo, and it's kind of neck and neck, that's a factor that I think could end up being something of a swing factor. Again, if they got to that type of decision tree, where they were kind of nitpicking at, at the, the, the fine margins to really figure out their decision. Yeah, for me, you know, I, I have heard that, you know, they are, in a, you know, it's hard to, you know, again, it is early. I think <laughs> yesterday, I think, what, so it's Friday. So yesterday would be five weeks away from the draft. There's so much time left. We have four, I guess, so four weeks and six days until we get to the draft. There's a lot of things that have to happen, visits, workouts, interviews, you know, the teams are going to do more than just, you know, they're going to, the teams are going to do their due diligence. They're going to talk to people around the player, talk to people who know the players, et cetera. Like they're going to do a lot of work between now and then that they have them already done. But yeah, I think, I think, you know, just being here talking with people is, is kind of zeroing in on those two, um, which may surprise some people. Uh, Cause I know Paulo Bancaro has been a guy that people thought would be, you know, in the running for number one pick, but it really has zeroed in on, Jabari and Chet seemingly um, will that change? It very well could, but those seem to be the two guys that people believe the Magic are considering. Um, and you, you said it, you said it best. You know, the, the Chet appeal, even though some people may be worried about, you know, will he be able to live the potential? He's a very unique player. Um, what is he going to look like? And be a level like we've obviously seen the Magic and uh, the leaders of the Magic, you know, have an affinity, showing appreciation four players, you know, in Chet's mold. Now, in Chet's, I guess, not defense, but to his credit, I think he's a little bit more skilled as a, you know, you want to call them guard skills, or if you want to say he's a little bit more of a, you know, he's able to do a little bit more with the ball the ball in his hands than we've seen with, you know, a few of the other selections that the Magic have had, or the Magic front office has had um, over the years. In terms of, you know, the bigger guys, you know, Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac, you know, you should go back to Milwaukee. Um, I guess Giannis is the ultimate, you know, the ultimate guy in that, you know, theoretical class. But even, you know, Thom Mc, uh, Maker, John Henson, you know, guys like that. Um, there is a clear appreciation by John and Jeff for players of Chet's mold. But then you have Jabari. And, I, you know, being around here, I hear something similar. You know, Jabari seems like a very clean and easy player to really enjoy and really like. 
Um, you don't have to like squint to see the potential or, you know, how it could work out. You can just kind of, it's just kind of in front of you right there. And you can go back and forth about this. I'm sure the magic will, you know, they're going to do their research. They're going to figure out, uh, you know, who fits with them better. But I think that's, I think it is kind of narrowing down to those two. Yeah. And I think another big factor that could come up, and I asked a lot of people on, around the combine this week, just out of curiosity, how much valuation scouts and town evaluators, whatever, what, what they what they really value um, a player being a year. That was a thing back in 2016. It was, it was part of the Ben Simmons, um, Brandon Ingram debate where Ingram was a whole year younger than Ben. And, and there was a thought that, you know, they were basically, um, they were basically, you know, pretty much neck and neck for various reasons. One had strengths over the other. And then a lot of the times you hear someone say, oh, and Ingram's a whole year younger. So in theory, he could even, you know, develop more than Ben. Ben might be more of a finished product. Um, I haven't heard that come up as much this year, but people definitely mention it. They talk about Jabari being younger. Um, and they talk about him theoretically having, you know, more room to, to add to his game. I mean, they're all both and they're 18, 19, 20 years old. Like, these guys clearly all have room to grow. Um, but in terms of getting to an even more elite level that's, than they are already at right now, being these top three, top four prospects, um, there, there is a thought that having a whole year – basically um, advantage on Chet in terms of the skill progression. Could be something that plays a factor here. I'm not saying it definitely will, um, but it could be something that just like uh, Chet and Jalen Suggs' relationship could be a factor for, for a Chet pick. Yeah, so like, what, I think Jabari just turned 19, was it last week? You know, whatever, May 13th? Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, a week, a week from today, yeah. So last Thursday, uh, last Friday, rather. Yeah, there's a lot, you know, it's crazy to say that, you know, you could draft a rookie, a 19-year-old rookie, and he won't turn 20 until, you know, next season is over. Um, and, you, and with his size, you know, speaking more specifically with Jabari, with his size, you know, he, and he has a skill that the Magic are desperately needing, you know, and that is, you know, his shooting, um, his ability to just shoot it uh, in multiple different situations. The Magic have been one of the worst shooting teams the last few seasons. And, and I think that thought or that idea just to incorporate that into, you know, into what they already have, I think that's very appealing. And then you never know, you know, in theory, you think, you know, a guy's younger, he has more room to grow. Sometimes that's the case. Sometimes that's not. But that's just, you know, like I said, this is just a little idea to keep in mind. But I don't think that's going to be like, uh, and rarely is like a deciding factor, but it's just like something that they'll talk about, you know, as they get closer to June 23rd, just like how he is. You know, he, he is still 19. He's a fresh 19, if you want to call him that, too. Um, by the time the draft rolls around, he'll be, what, a month into his ninth, year 19. So it, it's it's a lot of – like, between those two, there's a lot of different factors at play. It's, and I think some of it also depends on, you know, how do you want to – like, ultimately, how do you want to construct this roster, and specifically in the front court? You know, like, what do you envision for your front court being? We saw the Magic this last season kind of go with a, quote-unquote, twin towers look. You know, do they want to have that kind of continue to have that kind of look? You know, have two bigs in the front court. We've seen that kind of idea play out a little bit more in recent years. 
Um, and, you know, it's not just like two having two big, stiff big men. You know, Wendell can switch out a little bit. Uh, he can switch out very well, actually. You know, there's a thought that Chet may be able to switch out, you know, a little bit to an extent um, on the perimeter or, you know, be able to be a little bit more flexible, have a little bit more wiggle room um, as a defender. So what what's your ideology from a, you know, a basketball standpoint? And how does that – it's not so much about, you know, a need. It's more so just about what fits into you, what you want. Um, so aside from what, what they, what we think they might do, what the reason they can do, do you, do you have a, an opinion yet on what you think they should do? Uh, yeah, but I, I, I joke about this. Like, uh, you asked me, what's today? You asked me Friday, my, my Friday opinion is going to be my Friday opinion. My Saturday opinion may yeah. be a completely different opinion than my Friday opinion. And that's okay. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I, I, I think. For me, if I were them, I, I would lean probably more toward Jabari um, because I think he feels like, he, first off, the talent is clear. He has a very strong defensive upside, um, very, and I think offensive upside, too. I know there's concerns about, you know, his handle, will he be able to get into the paint um, and score efficiently when he gets in there. Uh, I think he, he just comes into the league, you know, a ready-made shooter, and that's something that the Magic just lack. You know, they need they need something like that to complement the rest of the guys they have on you know on the team. They need that to complement you know Mark Fultz. They need that to complement Wendell Carter Jr. They need that need that to complement Franz Wagner. You know, all the guards they have. And I think that level of just level of scoring ability from so many different spots on the floor. So they just they just don't have they don't have it now. They haven't had it. I mean, I guess they have a Vucevic, but it's just it's a different level. Um, and I think he's going to be a sensational defender too, or he has the potential to be a sensational defender. Um, I, 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 I like Chet as well. This isn't a knock against Chet. I just think that some, you know, they're going to be, I can see this being a, a longer waiting game with Chet to get, to get, for him to get to where people think he's going to be. And maybe they're fine with that. You know, Jeff and John did just get extensions recently. Yeah, they're going to, they, you know, they're employed for, they're contractually employed for a while. So maybe they're not as concerned about, you know, through 25, 26. Yeah. Yeah. So you gotta, you, they have time, right? They have to be worrying about the open messages pick up. Yada, yada, yada. Um, where's our job security. So maybe that's so much worried about that, but even then I'm still thinking, you know, you have a guy who I'm, I could see the growth in and it seems like he's just going to be from day one of this, a very reliable player on both ends. And, I just have less questions about him. Or I have fewer questions about him, I should say. For sure, for sure. All right, Kobe, we're almost at the top of the hour here, or the half hour here, excuse me. Um, and typically this is when uh, I ask my guests um, if they have any questions for me. I've asked you plenty of questions. You don't have to. I know I'm putting you on the spot, but now's your chance. Yeah, I guess for me, who, who, would, who would you – you have an opinion on who the, uh, who they should take with the number one pick? I think it's still a little early for me to, to say that with much conviction, but I would agree with you with Jabari. I, th- I think he's the one who has the highest uh, floor of all those three guys. That's that's kind of my stance. Um, right, I'm not. I'm I'm terrified of, of Chet's bust factor. Um, I, I think he'll be a, an NBA player, um, but. As like a worst case scenario, right? Um, but the body is very, very scary, um, and the strength is something that I, I question. But um, 
I mean, he, he could very well be the, the best player in this draft. So uh, it, it's a tough one. But I feel like Jabari is probably the safest pick. Um, and if you're Orlando and you have this number one slot and you kind of need to hit on, um, like, the, the surest thing, like, Jabari is probably the surest thing while he doesn't have the highest ceiling. The highest ceiling belongs to Chet. Yeah, that's a, a, a good way to put it. Uh, what, and I guess what, what ripple, like, I guess uh, with Mo, like, do you see, I guess what market do you see for him, uh, you know, if, when restricted free agency, I guess you can compound that with this whole draft talk, but I guess, I guess you can say it separately too. Yeah, I don't think he's going to have a vast market. But I think he'll have a market because, um, and this is not really rooted in like particulars that I've heard about what what teams would be interested in, what his money, you know, range should be. But I just there's been so many people I've talked to over the last few months, dating back to February, who said, "Oh, you know, most played really well this year. Mo, Mo got a lot better this year." So I, I, that would lead me to believe people would at least have some interest in him on the open market. Yeah, those are those are the two main questions I had. Yeah. All right. Well, before I let you go, um, I did want to do one little non-magic tidbit because um, I think it was impossible to be in Chicago and not hear about Shaden Sharp, uh, who did not play Kentucky. Kind of considered a top five, maybe prospect. Definitely seems like his range starts at four, um, and you know who knows where it could go down down the line. Um, did you get any rumblings about him, and, and what, what 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 were them? What's kind of your impression on where his stock is right now? Yeah, I didn't get too much. Uh, just, I was because once once uh, once it became the clear that the Magic had the number one pick, I wasn't asking about him as much as I would have if they felt to maybe like two, three, uh, two or three or four. Uh, but I guess from the the small talks I've had, there's just a, I think there's a whole lot of mystery with him. Like, that's the biggest thing I've taken away in, like, the uh, all admittedly few conversations I've had about him. There's a lot of questions. I was talking with someone uh, somebody about him yesterday, and just, I think the word mystery was just a similar phrase that was used. Uh, I, I think that's the main thing. You're just an unknown, and I don't know if that, like, scares te- if that scares teams, but it just it, it's something that, you know, Take note of. I guess we want to put it like that. Yeah. No, I think teams are going to be very curious to see him come into their facility. We haven't seen him play at any real level of consequence. Um, so that's going to be something that actually kind of maybe plays in his favor in terms of that. That mystery can be alluring. And, it, and you know, he, he didn't have a year to kind of pick at him from his high, you know, projections as a high schooler. So. Um, I mean, I do think his range starts at four. I think depending on how the draft unfolds, you know, if it's if it's four or five, uh, Jaden Ivey or Keegan Murray in some order, like, you know, very well could be as how as how it sounds and seems. Um, then maybe Indiana's a good spot for him at six because he could be a young raw athlete with shooting that could fit alongside Tyrese Halliburton and, and kind of. The space between him and Duarte and and, and Miles Turner. Um, I mean, he's more of a guard than a forward. It sounds like I haven't seen the guy play, um, but that's what kind of the impression I have. So, I think that's really the top of his range where 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 it starts. But 
he could be someone that falls, you know, anywhere between four and ten, maybe even in the later lottery. I, I have no idea. It's just along the same lines of the fear that some people have about Chuck body and his um, ability to compete, like, physically at the next level, there are a lot of people who are just so terrified of the prospect of taking a kid like Shaden Sharp who you haven't seen play in a year. So it's going to be an interesting, interesting uh wrinkle of the draft this year like Dante Exum and several other guys before him he's our man of mystery of this draft you know absolutely I think that that's the best way to uh what is the MOM man of mystery that's yeah. that's gonna be yeah. uh Shaden Sharp but yeah no it's I, I'm, I'm curious I, I you're I, you're exactly I think you're right in terms of where his it starts for him I'm more so curious about where it ends like yes. his, I'm, that's, that's the biggest I'm interested in like where does his range end you know, how, how, you know, how, how much does the unknown or the worry or the, you know, the mystery um, come into a factor when it comes, when it really comes down to it on June 23rd. There you go. All right. He's Kobe Price. I'm Jake Fisher. Read all his work at the Orlando Sentinel. Follow him on Twitter. Um, we will be back on Tuesday of next week. Um, that'll be our only show. Uh, please don't aggregate this, um, but we'll be gearing up and coming back with a lot of fun guests as we get closer to the draft. So thank you all for always for listening. Um, thank you, Kobe. And uh, take care. Have a good weekend, everybody. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend.